We're spending three short Sundays thinking about sayings that people live by, sayings that people base their big decisions on. Last week, it was a saying, so long as you're happy, that's the main thing. And today, we're thinking about the line, be true to yourself. Be true to yourself. It sounds like a good thing, a nice way to encourage people to be true to who they are. I mean, we want to be honest. We want to be transparent. We want to be who we are. We want to resist peer pressure, for example. And so be true to yourself. It sounds good on the surface. Disney teaches this be true to yourself doctrine in their movies. The Disney doctrine goes something like this. Discover yourself, be true to what you discover, and then go wherever your heart leads you. It's that sort of idea. Follow your feelings. The assumption that your feelings define you. So embrace your feelings regardless of what others may think. Follow your feelings. And you'll be familiar with the way it gets packaged into the kids' movies, any number of kids' movies. The main character has been going along with what their family wants or what their friends are doing or what's expected of them. But after various disappointments, things come to a head and they realise they need to actually be true to who they are. They need to be true to their feelings. And so they go against what everyone expects of them. They be who they really are. And everything falls into place. In fact, everything works out, not just for them, but for everybody around them. And everyone accepts them the way they are. The assumption behind those movies is it's always best to follow your heart, to follow your feelings, to be who you really are. And it's not, not just the kids' movies that pump out this message. It's also the more adult versions of the same story. Think about The Greatest Showman, for example, slightly more adult version of the same doctrine. Um, the key point is that song which goes, this is me. And think about some of the lyrics. I am whom I'm meant to be. This is me. Look out, because here I come, and I'm marching on to the beat I drum. I'm not scared to be seen. I make no apologies. This is me. You can hear the message, can't you? Be true to yourself. Be true to who you are. And it's a message that it's everywhere, all around us. And there is a positive element to it, because we don't want to be fake. We do want to be genuine, and we want to be real. But then as you move from the fiction world, the world of movies, the world of entertainment, into the real world, things start to fail. Think of an easy example to start with. So the person who they trained as an engineer, they worked for a few years as an engineer, but then they decide their heart just isn't in it. Um, they, they were always, they were always more of a teacher all along. Why did they do engineering? They must have gone along with what their older sibling had done or maybe listened to the, the encouragement from their father. But now, you know, they've got by in the field, but they've never excelled. What they really feel they were made for is to be a preschool music teacher. That's it. That defines them. Everyone's telling them it's stupid to change career, but they want to be who they really are. That's an easy example to turn over in your mind. There's some problems with it, isn't there? I mean, who says being true to ourselves is all about our career? Is our job what defines us? When people see us, do they see a preschool music teacher? And that is it, nothing else. That's all they see you for. Or do they also see a wife or a mother, a daughter or an aunt, an LNP voter, a Volvo driver, a coffee lover? 
which part of who you are should you be true to? Which part stands out? Which part should you define yourself by? You can see this, this message starts to get a little bit more complicated and confused. Be true to yourself. Well, it's not quite as simple as it's made out to be in the movies because they're, they're movies. What about another example? The person who feels that they are same-sex attracted after years of ignoring their feelings, suppressing their desires, they eventually decide that they should be true to themselves. But how do you know that's the right thing to do? Is it all about your feelings? Do you make that kind of decision based on feelings alone? Or is it more important to take into account what other people are saying to you or what the Bible says? It all starts to get more complicated, doesn't it? And there's the added complication of how your decision to be true to yourself is going to impact on those around you. Acting on your same-sex attraction, it won't be well-received by everybody. Don't trust the movies. It won't be well-received by everyone. It's not the way it works. When we move from the movies to real life, this be true to yourself starts to come a little bit unstuck, doesn't it? Another example, the transgender person feeling like a woman trapped in a man's body. The Disney movies say, be true to yourself. Follow your feelings. But how do you know that that's the right thing to do? Is it right to trust your feelings? Are you going to feel the same way in 10 years' time? Or is it going to be like that tattoo or that unfortunate um, tattoo that you got on in Bali somewhere? Are you going to change the way you feel? In real life, the saying, be true to yourself, it's not as simple as it is in the movies. Another example, the person who feels that their marriage, it's just become stale. And so it feels to them like they're putting on a show for everybody else, making it look like they're happy in this marriage when in fact they're not. And in fact, looking back, they think actually this was a mistake from the very beginning. I should have listened to my mother's advice. Their decision to be true to themselves means they'll leave the marriage. It's implications for those around them too. Their wife to start with, their children, their parents, their friends. Their decision to be true to themselves impacts on those around in ways that they couldn't even predict. So is it right to be true to yourself despite what it means for other people around you? Is it sensible even to act on how you feel today when your feelings can be impacted by your emotional state and by many other things? And then there's the situations where, to be honest, no one wants you to be yourself, isn't there? The easy one to pick on is the example of a vocal Christian who can't help talking about what they believe and sharing their faith with people. You don't want that kind of person in the workplace. You don't want them to be themselves at work. It's just not on. Because at that point, this idea of tolerance kicks in, doesn't it? We need to be accepting of everyone except someone who says something different to us. On the surface, without scratching too deep, be true to yourself. Well, it sounds appropriate and it sounds positive, but when you start to dig a little bit deeper, when you move from the movies to real life, it's far more complicated. It raises questions of if you can actually trust the way you feel. It raises questions about how you interact with others around us. Is it right to be true to myself despite those around me? Um, it raises fundamental questions about what's right and what's wrong. Being true to yourself kind of assumes that you are the one who determines what's right. And there's an arrogance about that. It raises questions about how you decide what's right. The saying 
be true to yourself. All I've done so far is kind of tried to tease out what people mean when they say that. Now let's have a think about what the Bible says that might impact on this. And first up, what the Bible does is, quite obviously, puts God back in the picture. Um, God is the one who made us. God is the determiner of what is right and what is wrong and what's appropriate and what's not. Be true to yourself should mean, at very least, be true to the way that God has made you and what he's made you for, at very least. And being true to God, well, that ought to trump being true to yourself any day of the week. Um, If you go back to Genesis, you read these words in Genesis chapter 1, 1 verse 26, then God said, let us make mankind in our image, in our likeness, so that they may rule over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky and over the livestock and all the wild animals, over all the creatures that move along the ground. So God created mankind in his own image, in the image of God, he created them, male and female, he created them. You look at that in isolation and you can see that God's made us purposefully, made us deliberately, intentionally and purposefully. Be true to yourself for a Christian, well, it means at very least, recognize how God's made you. Be true to who God has made you to be. We're in God's image to rule and to relate, to run the world under God. If you're going to be true to yourself, acknowledge at least that much. But how does that intersect with our saying, be true to yourself? Well, it's not just about how you feel. It's not just about how you think or what you think. It's about what God wants and what God says. The Bible says more. Similar to last week, we we went back to Genesis. We moved through to Genesis chapter 3 because in Genesis chapter 3, we see the mess that Adam and Eve made when they went to live life their way without God. They put God aside and did what they wanted to do. Adam and Eve, they disobeyed God, and we've been living in a broken and judged world ever since. The theologians call it a fallen world. You can read about it in Genesis 3. So that the things we should enjoy in life, they've now become challenges. We ought to enjoy having kids. That's a challenge. We ought to enjoy our our work in this world, but that has become toil. Our bodies are affected by life in a fallen world. And importantly, as we live our life in this fallen world, we cannot trust our feelings. Our hearts deceive us. A quote in isolation, Jeremiah 17, verse 9, the heart is deceitful above all things and beyond cure. Who can understand it? As Christians, we look forward to the day when Jesus will return because then all wrongs will be made right. But until that day, we live in a fallen world. We battle with temptation. We're born with genetic disorders and complications. We experience pain and challenges. We have broken relationships with people. We struggle with being able to trust each other. Um, We become self-centered when we should be. All these things happen because we live in a fallen world and our, our, our lives and our bodies are riddled with sin. When you become a Christian, yeah, we know forgiveness and we know new life in Jesus, but until Jesus returns, we have this battle with the sinful nature. And then come to the passage that was read for us. So David read for for us from Romans chapter 1, verse 18. This is jumping into the Apostle Paul describing our nature as humans, our fallenness. So look at it again, 1 verse 18. The wrath of God is being revealed from heaven against all the godlessness and wickedness of people who suppress the truth by their wickedness. Since what may be known about God is plain to them, because God has made it plain to them. 
the idea of suppressing the truth. I don't know if you've ever tried to hold a balloon underwater. It's hard work. And if it's got a leak, the air rushes to the surface. It's that sort of futile activity. Paul says God's wrath, God's anger is being revealed against humanity because of the way we do that to God's truth, the truth about God. We suppress it. We try to hide it. And the apostle says God's anger has been unleashed against us because we suppress what we know. Verse 20 goes on. For since the creation of the world, God's invisible qualities, his eternal power and divine nature have been clearly seen, being understood from what's been made, so that people are without excuse. That's not a politically correct verse, is it? To say that people are all sinful, that we all ignore what little we know about God. Um, He's not done yet, verse 21. For although they knew God, they neither glorified him as God nor gave thanks to him, but their thinking became futile and their foolish hearts were darkened. Why would you follow your heart? Verse 22, although they claimed to be wise, they became fools. The Bible's description of post-fall human beings is not pretty. It's not positive. Our ability to know what's right, it's fundamentally flawed. Um, To be true to ourselves while in that state, it's not going to end well. It's not hard to see that. The next bit may be even harder to hear. Because in an act of judgment, in an expression of his wrath, the Bible says God gives us over to living in that fallen way. So he confirms us in our choice or in Adam and Eve's choice even. So verse 24, therefore God gave them over to the sinful desires of their hearts, to sexual impurity for the degrading of their bodies with one another. They exchanged the truth about God for a lie and worshipped and served the created things rather than the creator. And on it goes. How can we even know what's right and what's wrong? The Bible says that ever since Adam and Eve, our natural instinct will be to choose what's wrong. Um, The assessment of the human nature keeps going. Down in verse 28, no one escapes. Verse 28, furthermore, just as they did not think it it worthwhile to retain the knowledge of God, so God gave them over to a depraved mind so that they may do what ought not be done. They become filled with every kind of wickedness, evil, greed and depravity. They're full of envy, murder, strife, deceit, malice. They are gossipers, slanders, God-haters, insolent, arrogant and boastful. They invent ways of doing evil. They disobey their parents. They have no understanding, no fidelity, no love, no mercy. It's a long list. I don't think any of us can escape the list. We don't really want to be who we are. Be true to yourself, it sounds very hollow after you've just read that part of the Bible. What the Apostle, what the Apostle Paul's doing, though, is he's showing us our need for the gospel, our need for help from outside of ourselves. This harsh assessment of us as human beings, it's accurate. And his argument continues on through the chapter 3. And if you were to flick ahead to chapter 3, Chapter 3, verse 10, what he's doing there is quoting the Old Testament. He says, 3, verse 10, as it is written, there is no one righteous, not even one. There is no one who understands, no one who seeks God. All have turned away. They've together become worthless. There is no one who does good, not even one. He's saying that's what we're like. We're all sinful, every single one of us. And then when you understand just how broken you are, you keep reading into chapter 3, and it starts to get more positive as he comes to the to the gospel so 3 verse 23 for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of god and all are justified freely by his grace 
through the redemption that comes through Christ Jesus. We're thinking about this saying, be true to yourself. In a fallen world, a world that's under the judgment of God, being true to our fallen self, it's not recommended. We need help from outside. We need help in the gospel of Jesus. As Christians, we thank God for saving us from ourselves. Further into Romans, we see where all this lands. If you jump ahead to chapter 12, I know it's a big jump, but it's only two verses, and these ones you can turn over over morning tea. Well, we don't have morning tea anymore. Whatever, you can keep thinking these through. Um, 12 verse 1, Therefore I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. As Christians, our only response to the gospel of Jesus, our only response to Jesus' sacrifice, his death and resurrection, is to offer everything we have to God. As Christians, we respond to God's mercy in Jesus by giving our whole lives to God and being who he wants us to be. It's no longer about being true to yourself. It's about being true to who God wants us to be. That trumps everything else. Um, Jesus talks in terms of denying yourself, taking up your cross and following him. Sounds a bit different to be true to yourself. Deny yourself, take up your cross. Becoming a Christian means... Um, We follow Jesus, not our heart. We know that our heart can deceive us. But in chapter 12 of Romans, verse 2, he goes on, Paul goes on, do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. And then you'll be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, perfect, and pleasing will. Put God first and everything else will fall into place. Put God first. Allow God to transform your fallen, broken mind. Allow God to renew your heart, and then you'll know how to live for him. Be true to yourself. It's not a saying that Christians can live by. Be true to God and ask God to keep working in you and changing you. You can live by that. When we're thinking about this saying, be true to yourself, it is a principle that people make life decisions on, big decisions, significant decisions. In its kind of simplified state, be true to yourself, has a positive ring to it, has that little element of truth to it, because we do want to be genuine. But when you put it to the test in real life, it falls short of the mark. In fact, it leads us away from God. What the Bible says is be true to God, put God first in everything, give up your life in service of God, and ask God to work in you to transform and renew your mind so that you'll know how he wants you to live. So the last point in the sermon outline, we've thought about what people mean when they say this saying, be true to yourself, thought about what the Bible says. Where does it leave us? Where does that put us? We're left in a kind of a challenging situation because, yeah, we want to agree with the line, be true to yourself. And it's being pumped into our kids and to us all the time. But in the end, we can't fully agree. We can't take it on board. What we want the saying to mean would be more like, just be honest. Don't give in to peer pressure. Stand up for what you know is right. And as Christians, maybe we would want it to say, be true to who God wants you to be, even if that's a little bit awkward with those around you. Being who God wants us to be, the thing is, it is going to put us at odds with everyone around us. It's not going to be like in the movies. You be true to who you are as a Christian and you are not going to be popular Think about what um, Jesus says to his disciples in Matthew chapter 10. He says, you'll be hated by everyone because of me. That's what you've got to look forward to. 
if you're true to God. Live for him. Be true to yourself. Well, the Bible doesn't give us reason to agree. Where does it leave us? I think we need to take care that we are having constructive conversations with our kids at very least. If this is what the movies are teaching them, then we need to be able to interact with that and point out that actually that's a movie. It's fiction. I mean, you've got that same battle with Father Christmas, don't you? You're working that one through. Well, this is another one of those. This, it's fiction. You're, you're In the movie, you're hearing what the producer wants you to hear. So take the good, filter the bad, and keep your eyes open the whole time. But we need to have those conversations with our kids. Um, we do want our kids to be honest, to be honest to who they are. We don't want them to cave into peer pressure. In fact, if we live as Christians, we're going to stand out as being different to our peers. So when it comes to real life, yeah, keep talking to your kids about this. And when it comes to you, where does it leave you? Well, don't make your big decisions based on feelings alone. They factor in, but they're not everything. When it comes to making the right decision, don't harden your conscience either. Don't harden your conscience by just following your heart. Don't trust your feelings. Fill your mind with God's word. Pray and ask God to transform and renew your mind. Take advice from your Christian friends. That's how you make the big decisions in life. Be true to yourself, no. Understand yourself, yes. And ask God to transform your sinful self. Be true to yourself, no. Be true to the gospel and allow it to shape you. Be true to yourself, no. Be true to God. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we know that we are sinful. We know that every inclination of our heart is to turn away from you. And Lord, we know that we deserve your wrath and your judgment. But we thank you for Jesus. We thank you that he lived the perfect life as a man. Thank you that he died to take the punishment for our sin. Thank you that you've raised him to life again as ruler over everything. Lord, please forgive us, we pray. Forgive us for the way that we do lose sight of you. Lord, please transform and renew us and please help us to live for you in every way. Lord, we pray too that as a group of Christians and as a church, we pray that we would be helping each other live for you. And Lord, we ask for wisdom, wisdom to know how to speak and how to explain these things to our kids as well. We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen.